Welcome into Four Down Territory, week four edition. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me, as always, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire. Doug, I'm out here in Key West, man, but you know what? I'm really excited to be on with you talking about week four. Yeah, you're getting drinks at the Tiki Bar, and I'm watching Zach Wilson tape. I think you win. <laughs> um, you, you know, um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke about, but no, I'm, I'm really excited to go get, go get some tiki drinks, and uh, you enjoy that Zach Wilson tape, and I can't see what you have to say about it, and we'll talk about Zach Wilson here in a little bit. We will, because he actually <laughs> was like, whoa, who's this guy? It's wild, really, really wild. So let's, let's, let's get to it. First down here. Uh, so we have a new worst of the week piece every week over at TD Wire that, that you put together. So let's talk about the worst thing that happened in week four of this season. Yeah, it's just my general observations from Sunday of what, why, what, no, good. oh, geez, God. Um, and I have to go with Carolina Panthers head coach and offensive play caller Frank Reich having to call a timeout in Carolina's 21-13 to loss to the Vikings because Reich had a concept he wanted to call, but it involved receiver Adam Thielen, who has been his most productive receiver this season. And Reich right. didn't know, apparently, that Thielen was off the field for that play. And I give Reich full marks for coming right out and saying it, but this reminds me of when I go to a big box store for one thing and you forget the one thing and you buy 20 things you don't actually need. (laughs) Or that time, and I'm not comparing Frank Reich to Urban Meyer, but when Urban Meyer was the Jaguars head coach and he forgot that, like, this, he had this one safety or the one safety was active. Um, Being Being a credible head coach in Reich's case, it's certainly not in Meyer's, uh, being a credible head coach is hard. Being a credible head coach and a play caller is really hard. Maybe Reich want to, might want to split those duties up a little bit because it's important to know which guys are on the field. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's a key. That's a key aspect of running an offense. I've heard is making sure you know uh, who exactly is is playing it at, at a given time. Unless you're the Steelers' offense, in which case it doesn't seem to matter. But that's a yeah, whole it doesn't. That's a whole yeah, different a, podcast, as we say. Yeah, that, we could we could spend an hour on what the heck yeah. the Steelers are doing. Uh, so speaking of say, worst, and by the way, Matt Canada led worst of the week with uh, the inaugural worst of the week with his fourth and one play call in which there were no hot routes and Kenny Pickett got injured. What yeah, do you guys? T- anyway, t- tough you're, scene. You're, tough scene yeah, you're worst, Kyle. Let's let's stay in the NFC North. What what are the Bengals doing, and and why are they doing it? ESPN Stats and Info tweeted this out. Joe Burrow is the first quarterback in NFL history to attempt at least 150 passes in his team's first four games of a season and average fewer than five yards per attempt on those passes. Mm-hmm. It's so clear that he's compromised. Like, oh, not yeah. even just the numbers. Just watch him. He's just not the same quarterback and not the same as, like, oh, this is going to get a little better. He's fine. He's just not the same player that he was. And this offense is so good at attacking teams vertically, right, with Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins and getting the ball downfield and then and then building concepts underneath and, and the run game off of that. And that's just not there. He lacks mobility. It's destroying their run game. And his inability to consistently push the ball down the field more than 10 yards at a time is leading them to do things like get waxed by the Titans 27-3. to so yeah. Cincinnati needs to regroup uh, to maybe try and save their season, but at the very least to save Burrow from whatever the heck is, is happening this year. By the way, that the Titans offense put up that many points on your defense. Uh, Lou Anarumo of the D.C. has some things to clean up. Um, but, no doubt. You know, that offense is it's not a lot of motion. It's not a lot of different route concepts. And 
Some quarterbacks are orchestrators. Peyton Manning did not like pre-snap motion. He wanted things exactly where he could see them. Matthew Stafford is sort of reformed in that regard because this year the Rams are basically playing spread offense and, you know, motioning guys, all, little guys all over the place. But Stafford historically did not want that. He wanted to see what was in front of him so he could call the shots. And that's really how Joe Burrow has been. The problem with all that is when you can't move in the pocket and Burrow is the best pocket mover in the NFL, I will brook no argument. When Tom Brady retired, Joe took the title. So, but you, you can barely move in the pocket. You can see him straining to move outside the pocket and nothing is working. So you don't have, you know, you don't have the Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel cheat codes here. You know, there aren't really a lot of things to, and I'm not blaming Zach Taylor and his staff, the head coach. This is, it's obviously how Burrow wants it, or they would give him more answers to the test. So when you have a guy who, where that much is, he's relied on that much to get anything done. I mean, honestly, I think you sit him for a couple weeks and and get him better because otherwise that season is just going to go right down the drain. Yeah, and the AFC, the AFC is weak enough that if they go lose a couple of games sitting Joe Burrow, they could still make a run if he comes back fully healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, they're not they're not going to make a run with whatever they're doing now. Right, whether the AFC is weak or not doesn't matter if your quarterback can't function and the offense exactly. is set up for he has to function more than most quarterbacks, you're you're dead. You're just it's over. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move to second down. How were the Bills able to stop the Dolphins offense in Buffalo's, I mean, decisive 48 to 20 thumping of Miami and Buffalo? Uh, well, I did, after the 70-20 to 20 win over the Broncos, I did it one tape piece on what the Dolphins did right offensively, and it was like, of course, mm-hmm. everything. Um, but they also <laughs> ran for 350 yards and five touchdowns. Now, mm-hmm. let's start with the fact that a great offense is sometimes your best defense. And mm-hmm. the Bills ran two deep coverage just four times in the first quarter. They upped up to 10 times in the second quarter and 18 times in the second half when the game was out of hand. 31 to 14 at halftime. And, you know, they, and when the bills ran a lot of too high in the second half, that's where Miami got their two rushing touchdowns, Mm -hmm. but because no one could stop Josh Allen and why you put your slot corner, uh, Kohu on Stefan Diggs for three touchdowns, love Vic finds you, but woof. Um, so at that point that they, the bills knew that the dolphins were not going to be a credible run threat. You take Mm -hmm. that out. You're playing one handed. So, now, it's really what the Bills did. Everything you're supposed to do against a high-flying offense like this, but few defenses were able to do consistently. They needed to pressure Tua without bringing too much pressure, and they did that. They needed mm-hmm. their safeties to present Tua with different pre- and post-snap look, looks. And even with Jordan Poyer out with a knee injury, they did exactly that. They needed their linebackers to cover the short and intermediate areas of the field to take away those quick passes Tua loves to throw because he knows his receivers are yak monsters. And by the way, he had Jalen Waddle back for this game. Um, Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard. Terrell Bernard, the linebacker, uh, is really kind of become a starter now that Edmonds is in Chicago. Poor Edmonds. Um, He's kind of become a glue guy. He's played so well. So -hmm. the Bills also did the one other thing you need to do against offense like this that most teams can't do, match them blow for blow. And, again, that's where Josh Allen just going thermonuclear – you know, when you put that kind of pressure on the opposing offense, there's no margin for error whatsoever. Miami's yeah. defense had far too many errors for that math to work out. Put simply, the Dolphins were outcoached in all phases. Bills head coach Sean McDermott and offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey deserve all the kudos they're going to get this week. I mean, it was a brilliant defensive game plan. I wonder in the rematch, which will be in Miami, 
if it's an even game in the third or fourth quarter and the Dolphins can run the ball and they're such a good run team, Mm -hmm. do the Bills start to bring one of the safeties down and now it's cover one, cover three, and now when you're running Hill and Waddle on dual verts, you know, one to either side, all of a sudden that the high safety is going, um, can I clone myself here? So yeah, I yeah, would, you need, this, <laughs> need 12 guys. You know, this was an utterly brilliant defensive game plan. And it, it mm-hmm. and they adjusted in game to what the score was, and that was also brilliant. It, you know, full marks. Yep. yep. This is not something that most teams are going to be able to do against the Dolphins, and it's not something that the Bills might be able to get away with in the rematch. So right. take the W and get ready for round two. Yeah. It turns out pressuring a quarterback without bringing extra pass rushers is a good way to slow down a high octane offense. Mm. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> wow. Really? Hire what? me. Hire me NFL teams. I am ready with this. I with think this you have info. a call from the Denver Broncos on line one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's even more. But by the way, have the worst DVOA through four weeks in the history of DVOA, which goes back to 1981. Which is the, there have been so many awful football teams. Uh, giving up, giving up 28 and letting Justin Fields do what he did yesterday is worse than giving up 70. Yes. To the Dolphins, like without question. It's not yes. even close. Anyways, the Bills, because I want to credit the Bills here. Um, it's even more impressive, though, with the what they did defensively, considering just how banged up they are in the secondary. Yeah. And Sean McDermott's a really good coach and had a really good defensive game plan. I thought Bill Belichick did in, in week two as well, so it would yes. surprise me if they went to school on that tape a little bit. But mm-hmm. another huge key here is not turning the ball over, and this speaks to what you were talking about with the best defense and good offense. Denver turned it over three times against the Dolphins, including two inside their own 10, mm-hmm. giving the ball, giving Miami the ball in the, in the deep red zone. Buffalo didn't commit a turnover. They forced the Dolphins to play defense, something they've not been awesome at so far. I'm still a huge believer in Miami, but it's hard for, for any team to win when they're losing the turnover battle and allowing pressures with four rushers. Like that's just, that's a really, really tough recipe to, to pull out wins. So uh, they're better than a 48, 20 loss to Buffalo, but the bills just had a heck of a game plan and played. I, I think the best game they could have possibly played. Like you just laid out. It was like when, um, when the Patriots played the Bills in that ridiculous weather game a couple of years ago, Mac Jones threw three passes, which might be the way forward oh, yeah. for Mac Jones. But yeah. they just ran crack toss, crack toss, crack toss. It was like mm-hmm. the one thing, and we've got you, and the vice is just around your neck. And I think that's mm-hmm. what the Bills defensively had. But, you know, I, I don't know what week that is. I don't have it in front of me. But for the rematch in Miami, uh, McDermott will have his guys ready, but Mike McDaniel and his staff will have dialed up some evil stuff too. So as Bart Scott likes to say, I can't wait. I'm really, yeah, I, I, that's going to be, that's going to be one of those ones on the schedule. Like you hope it's at a point in the year, they can flex it to like Sunday night. So -hmm. that can just get, that can just get all the focus. I'm trying to look real quick to see when they play again. It's not in the next couple of weeks. It's not in the next couple of weeks. Oh, last week of the season, last week of the season, Jan seven. Let's go. go. Let's go. That's basically a playoff game. Yeah. Give me that. Give me that in prime time. Uh, Third down here. On September 20th, uh, Bears quarterback Justin Fields was asked why his offense wasn't working. So he pointed very specifically to coaching as a primary factor, and they're filling his head with too much stuff. He's not just playing naturally. After that press conference, Fields then held another press conference, which he walked back what he said, and he clearly said uh, what he said was misinterpreted. Uh, well, last week, receiver Chase Claypool insisted that he was also not utilized correctly in Luke Getze's offense, which led to Claypool being a healthy scratch for Sunday's loss to the Broncos. <sighs> when yeah. asked about it after the game, head coach There's Matt Eberflus, <laughs> there's so much going on, and none of it good. Uh, no. Matt Eberflus, after the game, didn't know or didn't want to say whether Claypool didn't attend the game uh, at all of his own volition or whether he was asked to stay away. 
are we to the point with Chicago where they're so dysfunctional that they should worry about getting like a PR fixer for their player comments and pressers um, and public statements before they even think about replacing coaches? Yeah, one of the, maybe one of the people that was responsible for uh, <laughs> sanding over the sharp edges of a certain former president's uh, interesting statements. Uh, the Bears might need a shaman at this point. James I, I don't Madison. Know. Good God. It, it, yeah, maybe a PR fixer would help. It's clear in all seriousness that this has gotten away from Everflus, who needs to go back to being a defensive coordinator. This is bad. Uh, what is also clear is the Bears have never fired a head coach in season, and that franchise has been around in some form or fashion since 1920. Of course, it helps that George Hallis owned the team and coached it until like 1960-whatever. Uh, so there's that. But at least they would have the first two picks in the 2024 draft at the season and in today, which Good should start. already happen this team so you know i i you know bears <laughs> i i suspect this Top, might be dude. the last time we talk about them in fort on territory because you know how you know it's like stomping on the dead thing unless unless justin field starts playing as well regularly as he did yesterday then then we can bring him back up but chicago needs a new coach who's going to be a leader and not allow things like this to get miscommunicated like it yeah. starts with the head coach in that building and the fact that they're continually having to clean up organizationally is a direct reflection of leadership and that starts with the head coach like that is where that comes from that is the guy that you hire to be that leader to ensure that stuff like this doesn't happen i was around very closely for the 49ers 2015 and 2016 seasons that was jim tom sula that was chip kelly and that's a disaster because it starts with the head coach it was all sorts of miscommunication with players and this and that and there's it, it was a mess and that's because of the head coach so that that position and having a having a capable leader at that position can make a world of difference they're not moving forward with the after this year anyway so cut ties now before this gets out of hand beyond repair if it's not already there that's what I was, yeah, I was covering the Seahawks in 2009 when Mike Homer was made a lame duck and then they hired Jim Mora. <laughs> oh boy. <clears throat> and everything just went straight to heck. And then they hired the USC head coach and got some guy from Green Bay to run personnel. It's worked pretty well. Yeah, it's done, so, all, done all right. Shout, hey, out to my, shout out to Mike Holmgren, by the way. Doesn't get enough love. love. I'm a big Mike Holmgren Mike. guy. He's awesome and can be a very nice guy unless you're on his bad side and then run, run for the hills. That, that guy has <laughs> temper. Woo. It looks like it. You could just see he has the face of a guy who has a temper. Very sweet guy. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, let's let's get to fourth down here. Let's talk about Zach Wilson that we talked about earlier. What was what did he do against the Chiefs, Doug? Yeah. He came into the game. He was leading an offense ranked dead last in DVOA by like a lot. The Chiefs yeah. defense ranked ninth in DVOA. They've been underrated very good this year. And uh, they played was... well in this game against Wilson before we get to the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, th yeah. The Chiefs' defense wasn't wasn't bad by any means, no. but it was Wilson, not Patrick Mahomes, who looked like the comfortable, capable quarterback out there. And I mean, the the Jets' defense is very good in its own right, and and they lost twenty three twenty. But per Optostats, Wilson became the only opposing quarterback to have more completions, passing yards, and touchdown passes, and fewer interceptions than Patrick Mahomes in a Mahomes start, college or pro, out of one hundred and twenty seven total starts. That includes a postseason. That is insane. Yeah. So I ask you, Doug. What the heck happened <laughs> to Zach Wilson, who looked like he was on his way to becoming a, a historic bust? Yeah, uh, Mahomes threw two picks and would have thrown three were it not for the side judge who was a Chiefs 12th mm. player there. Mm. Alex Kemp's crew has some – there's going to be uh, – Andy Reid's going to get some uh, – <laughs> Robert Sala, excuse me, is going to get some apology notes. And he was ear-holing yeah. everybody and got a penalty and he had every right to. Um, I loved that for him. Yep. 
and he's like the calmest, nicest, most positive guy. So when he loses it, you know it's bad. Uh, Wilson has always been better with play action than without it. And then it, this goes back to his days at BYU. He had a lot of success with it. Why? Because over and over, you watch those play action snaps, the Chiefs linebackers bid on those play fakes. Again, yep. why? Because you're playing Zach Wilson, and he's not going to hit those deep shots off play action, at least from a historical pers- historical perspective. But offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett did a brilliant job of designing plays in which Wilson had a comfortable first read open, and that's the key for any young quarterback, especially any young quarterback who has struggled with confidence and competence through the years. Wilson took what was given. He got confident enough to make a few nice whole shot throws, and that was enough to make it interesting. And Hackett also got things going with pre-snap motion. And Wilson had three explosive completions in this game. Uh, there was one 25-yarder where they ran uh, speed motion with levels to the front side. And mm-hmm. the Chiefs played cover one really well on this play, and I'll be featuring it in the tape piece this week. Um, all three of those deep throws were contested catch throws. They were tight window throws. So Wilson wasn't, you know, it wasn't just the easy, you know, talking about Chip Kelly, the Chip Kelly plan where you're just throwing screens. I mean, he, he kind of right. did everything well. He looked like the guy at BYU who I thought was, you know, we talk about Shanahan. I mm-hmm. thought of all the quarterbacks in his class, he was the most Shanahan-y of them all. Uh, but my point is he looked like a completely different quarterback and he looked like that against a really good defense. Now, moving forward, linebackers start not not biting on those play fakes and you get adjustments mm-hmm. and all that. You don't know what Wilson's going to do, but it was a very promising start for a team, obviously in need of some sort of quarterback relevance until Aaron Rodgers, you know, gets back on the field. So yeah, it was, it was legit. It wasn't the chiefs playing badly. It wasn't, you know, a couple of little weird things that are, you know, easily stopped. You just played a hell of a game. Yeah. Yeah. And Chicago bears take notes here. Like hmm. this is how you get a young quarterback going. Running the Aaron Rodgers offense or even a slightly dumbed down version of it was not going to work for Wilson. But doing all the stuff with play action, the designed layup throws that that you just laid out is where the Jets offensive bread and butter is going to need to be for now. Like Wilson still had some development to do when when he came in. He played hmm. at, you know, BYU. It's it's a not a not a small school necessarily, but it's also not not an SEC school or something like that. And I think he started 30, 30 games in, in college or something like that. And he threw like less than 600 passes. Like so, so he, and he might've taken of, like two sacks and had five pressures the whole time. His offensive line yeah. was incredible. The defenses he, were, he was playing weren't really getting to him. So he came right. into the NFL. He saw mud and color and stuff that he had not seen. Yeah. And they, and they threw him in acting like he was going to be this, this really awesome player right away. And he needed to develop. Yeah. And what you saw last night was a step forward in development. Is the is the play action where things are open in the in the intermediate and in deep areas going to work all year? Is designing one read layup throws going to work all year? No, probably not. But like you just said, even just in this game, going from those to the tight window throws down the field, like it builds his confidence. It build it builds his development. Things start to slow down a little bit, and so now you work this in over the next three four weeks, and you start to see him grow as a quarterback. And maybe he he does develop. And maybe he does reach the bar. Like the bar for the Jets quarterback play is lower because their defense is as good as it is. They have a good run game. They have good good receiving weapons, uh, particularly with Garrett Wilson. So the bar isn't super high for, for Zach Wilson. Can they get him there, though, over the next few weeks? Can they win a couple of games where he's still figuring it out a little bit, but taking positive steps forward in his development? Because it felt like last night was the first one we've seen from him in the NFL. But well, that's a Denver's, great sign. Yeah, he's got Denver's defense next Sunday, so bonus for yeah. him. Um, yeah, and then the yeah, Eagles, 
the Eagles, ouch. Uh, the Giants, that could go either way. The Chargers could go either way. Raiders, uh, uh, Bills, week 11. <laughs> Welcome to the wood chipper. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he's he, I, the deep the, the deep throws, the tight window throws, those things. Like, okay, these are not, ju- like you said, these are not just layups. These are professional. Yep. I'm not going to say elite or whatever, but top-tier quarterback throws. Yeah. How much of it was repeatable, we don't know. And you can throw the Broncos game out. Unless it, if he's bad against the Broncos, then mm, just punt everything. <laughs> um, see what Joe Namath wants to do. But this, you know, this was a it was a bit of a, re, a, a revolution for him. Like this, yeah, it's, first, it's I don't want to say career defining yet, but it it's close to that. But it's the first time you've ever watched Zach Wilson and gone, oh, they're a good quarterback in there. There's it, there's credible stuff. First yeah, time since so, BYU. Where I yeah, kinda right, got, right. First time as a pro, and, for sure. And now it's like, okay, let's see what we got here. Yeah, so maybe he develops into a more dynamic playmaker and, and helps the Jets make a playoff push. Maybe it all unravels against the Broncos. Who knows? But Maybe I they can trade into the Bears with those two first-round picks, like one and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that's what they're lining up to do, for sure. All right, uh, That's, that's going to do it for week four of Four Down Territory. Be sure to tune in every week. This is uh, – we're – doing this all season into the off season so we appreciate you doug thanks so much everybody thanks for watching thanks everyone